Spare thoughts, words, and actions be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Chronologically, we've been all over the place this Advent season. On the first Sunday of Advent, our gospel lesson was from the very end of Jesus' ministry when he was about to be handed over to suffering and death. Last week, we heard about John the Baptist preaching right before Jesus was baptized, at those very first moments before his ministry began. And today, we find in our gospel Jesus further along into his ministry, where he's going around and teaching and, and preaching and doing miracles. John is no longer in the wilderness out by the River Jordan, but he's in prison for having called out the king on the king's terrible behavior. The king didn't like it, so he threw him in prison. And John sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the one? Are you really the Messiah? And this question doesn't really make sense because John had already acknowledged through Jesus' baptism that he was the Messiah. So I wonder what's going on with John here. Why is he asking the question? Maybe because he thought his days were numbered being in prison and having made the king really angry. He just wanted to make sure. Maybe he was facing doubts like you and I do, but for whatever reason, he sends his disciples and Jesus points them to the fruits of his actions for their answer. This relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus was an important concern. They both had followers. And the early church tried to figure out what is the relationship between these two figures. Even in Jesus' lifetime, people were confused. What does it mean, John the Baptist, if I follow him and I follow Jesus too? We see that because Jesus continues and he speaks about John the Baptist. And in his typical way, he's not forth, forward, and clear. Instead, he asks them some questions. He says to them, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? When did, then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in the royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. These questions have sort of been entrenched in my mind this past week. As I've been going about my work and thinking about what I would preach this Sunday, it keeps coming back to these questions. Jesus trying to draw out of the people, yes, you did go see a prophet. Isn't that what you went to do? I wonder if in the confusion about the relationship between John and Jesus, Jesus is trying to help them remember. Because there is some discrepancy here. Jesus moved about the cities. He went to where people were. He preached and he taught and he lived with them and he ate with them. Well, John lived out in the wilderness and people went to him. And he wore camel's hair and he ate locusts and honey. Were their messages different? Were they at odds with each other? 
They were so different. And I think maybe this is why John sent the disciples and why Jesus had to explain what exactly what was going on. The people were questioning, wondering, and forgetting. They had been out there in the wilderness. They had seen John, but now they needed Jesus to explain away their confusion. His first question particularly stands out to me. What did you go out in the wilderness to look at? The wilderness in our tradition has always been a place of finding God. We go back to the very beginning of our scriptures and we read about people going out into the wilderness, the prophets coming from the wilderness to give the word of God. Or we think of Jesus right before he began his public ministry, after his baptism, he went out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan, and it's in the coming out of the wilderness that he begins to preach and teach. It's sort of a code for the place where you can encounter the divine. So how could they question who John was if they went out to that place of the prophets to hear him and to be baptized by him? The other questions Jesus asked sort of pushes that point further. In the wilderness in the Jordan River, there are lots of reeds along the bank. And there's wind as there is anywhere. And so the reeds get shaken and Jesus said, did you go out to see this really ordinary thing where the reeds are just moving around in the wind? Of course, the answer is no. Then out in the wilderness, there are opulent roads because there are royal palaces for the winter out in the wilderness. And of course, that's not what they went out to see. Jesus draws them to what they actually went out to see, a prophet, a voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. They didn't go out to see him as some sort of curiosity or something novel. They went out to encounter God, to touch the divine. They were driven to seek out John the Baptist in this place of neither here nor there because they had a deep hunger and longing and thirst for God. Now they were questioning that. Did they really meet God in the wilderness? Did the joy they felt in that encounter really happen? Did the repentance they experienced really prepare the way of the Lord within their own lives? Of course it did. It's as if Jesus is saying through these questions, remember why you went out there. Remember what you saw and what you heard and what you did. Remember why you went. I think this morning, being drawn back to the questions of Jesus, particularly, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? I think maybe this is how God is speaking to us. The Gospel passage, this, this particular passage from Matthew, comes in the midst of all the craziness of preparation here at Trinity. For myself, we've had pressure to complete the liturgies for Christmas Eve, get them all done, make sure all the details of the pageant are worked out, make sure the vestments are clean, remembering all the announcements, which I'm sure I'm going to have to make in a few minutes, and I'll forget a couple, 
Um, but all of these pressures that just keep coming on us. If we look out in our own lives, the pressures of getting the right presents, what's going to make our loved ones smile and feel joy. We can keep on going here with the pink candle lit. Did we get it right? Do we have enough waivers? Is the live stream really going this morning? And Jesus' voice cuts through all of this noise to say, what did you go out into the wilderness to look at? What did you go out to that holy place to really do? We get so caught up in the trappings of what we're doing that we forget what we actually came here for. And frankly, those things are easier to talk about. As good New Englanders, we're not so great at talking about our feelings or our emotions or what our needs are. It's easier for us to talk about, are the candles in the right place? Am I moving in the right direction? Am I crossing myself right? It's easier to focus on these external trappings. And I think as Episcopalians, the danger is double because we get caught up in conversations about the right way to do things and we know people who know the right way to do things and we want to do them the right way. But these trappings, this beautiful stained glass, the glorious music, the joy of seeing our friends, are important parts of the experience of this, but are they really the reason why we came out to the wilderness? Or maybe are they more like the weeds being shaken by the wind? As I've gotten to know many of you over the past two and a half years, I know that it's not just the trappings that we come here for on Sundays. It's not just all of the external things that motivate us to gather in this sacred wilderness. I know that there are deep spiritual needs. I know that there's a hunger of the soul, a longing for God that's really present in each and every one of us. But why don't we speak about it? Why is it difficult to speak about it? Why is it difficult to admit our needs? need for God and for each other. I think of all the times that, you know, people want to know what's going on in each other's lives, but when it comes to our own lives, we don't want people to know. All the times we find out somebody was in the hospital for two weeks, three weeks after the fact. You know, we're very private. But our needs will not be met if we don't bring them forward to the throne of God. If we don't talk about them, if we don't share them, how can our longings be satisfied? We don't really say why we are here in this sacred wilderness. How can those needs be met? This morning, I'd like to invite us to really sit with this question and to honestly answer the question, what are we going out into the wilderness to see? What are we hoping for from this sacred place? In a few moments, we will be praying together Eucharistic prayer soon. And my favorite part of this prayer, which I'm sure many speaks to many of you, is towards the end. The words that say, 
Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. That's part of the reason I'm here this morning. And I imagine that many of us are here for solace and for strength, for pardon and for renewal. So whatever it is that's bringing you out to the wilderness this morning, strength, solace, pardon, renewal, other things, make your needs known to God as we gather around this sacred table. Share what's in that deepest, most secret part of our hearts. Bring it to the wilderness and find God there.